I never charge my work by the hour. I refuse to. Because how do I charge when I'm thinking about your business out on a run? Like, I'm not going to. Like, you're paying me for my knowledge. You're not paying me to pound keys on a computer. So I refuse to charge hourly rate. People ask me and I just won't do it. Welcome, everybody, to The Chris Harder Show, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success, knowing that when good people like you make good money, they can then do great things. My name is Chris Harder, and several times per week, I will bring you epic guests, solo episodes, and every single tool, trick, and skill set you need to grow your business, grow your money mindset, and to grow your wealth to levels that you have never reached before. I've ended up in a unique place in life where I've got the experience, the connections, and all of the secrets that it takes to be successful. And and I'm lifting the curtain to reveal it all to you in an effort to help put you in a position of abundance so great that you can then be as generous as possible. So let's lock arms and let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Chris Harder Show, where today I'm grateful for my health. It is not lost on me that Lori and I have been blessed with really, really good health, good genes and good ability and all that stuff. And just wanted to acknowledge it and say, that's what I'm grateful for today. And if you're like, what in the hell is he talking about? I start every podcast with what I'm grateful for, because I truly believe that you don't have what you don't take inventory of. And so it's one of the easiest ways to feel abundant. It's one of the easiest ways to feel powerful in life. One of the easiest ways to feel fortunate or lucky is to take inventory of what you do have instead of concentrating on what you don't have. Now, let me add to this, because today is going to be an awesome interview. I'm also grateful to be interviewing my, we call her my sister-in-law, Jackie Coke. Now, Jackie is not just my brother's significant other, but she is one of the greatest HR and recruiting talents that we know. Now, we're not saying that from a subjective manner because she's part of the fam. We say that from an objective manner to the point where we refer her to all of the startups that we invest in and she finds their best people. We refer her to some of the biggest companies of products you buy out there and she finds all their best people. She has found all of our best people. And it's because she's the startup whisperer. Like literally people in these companies call her the startup whisperer because she understands HR for small business. She understands HR for solopreneurs. She understands HR for startups better than anyone else because it's different when you're a one, two, three, four, five person team. It's different when you're a 10 or 15 person team than it is when you're this staunch corporate type of HR thing. It comes with a different set of challenges. If you're hiring your first person, you got to know what you're doing because it could cost you a lot of money and penalties if you don't. If you're hiring your third, fourth, fifth person, you have to understand a few policies or it'll cost you some fines and some fees that you don't want to have sneak up on you. And that's what we're going to talk about today. How to avoid the unexpected costs when you're building a team. There's a lot of important things that we're going through. We actually go through this really fun section of like do's and don'ts. And these, you know, the really fun little section of like popcorning back and forth. Okay, where have you seen other people get trapped and what's it cost them? So you're going to learn from real life stories as we go through this interview. So listen, I know sometimes HR, you're like, oh, that's not the most important thing on the plate. But I have a friend that just had to settle for six figures because she didn't understand HR when it came to making her first hire. And I have another friend who had to settle six figures because they didn't understand how to properly document before terminating somebody. I'm telling you, this is a really important subject. And Jackie Koch is the startup whisperer. So get ready, listen up. And there's also a really cool little special in here, a little surprise for you as well. Jackie. Oh boy, do I call her. <laughs> 
Cook or cock? Both are wrong. So pick which wrong you want to be. That is not true. Okay. So for everybody listening, she is my, I call her my sister-in-law at this point. And we always joke around that when she finally marries Nick, that it's going to be the harder cock wedding. Because but that's not how you say my name. K-O-C-H and all the K-O-C-H's I know are, are cocks. No, it is Coke like the soda. They're no, the Coke brothers. that up just to avoid the harder cock true. wedding. Okay, well, if we're telling listeners this, my brother married a woman with the last name Biggs. <laughs> <laughs> like literally. And Nick and I were the only ones making jokes. I'm like, how is this not funny to other people? No, this sums up why you fit in the family so well over all these years. <laughs> Is because if anybody wants to be a fly on the wall at like the lake house while you guys are there all oh, summer God. with us or a fly on the wall at Thanksgiving coming up, this is basically what it sounds like. It's just a whole bunch of this very immature stuff. And yep. we're going to go from being the most immature, ridiculous human beings to giving you guys really, really, really valuable HR advice. Which and is why me. I'm a great HR person, because I can make a good penis joke. Right? You are not the stuffy, <laughs> like boring HR person, which is why people love not learning usually. from you. And I got to start with a compliment too, by the way. You have grown one of the dopest freaking HR brands mm-hmm. out there. Like it is a really, really fun, really, really cool, really, really informational brand in a subject matter that sometimes I think people think is dry and you've made it super valuable and super awesome. And, and I got to pay that compliment to you all. Well, you know, everyone's listening. Thank you so much. I do get a lot of compliments on my website and I'm like, thanks. I built that. I did that myself. Uh, Ooh, okay. Everyone go look at the website. What's your website? Peopleprinciples.co. Peopleprinciples.co. Mm-hmm. People, mm-hmm. not .com. Okay. Yep. Here's what I start my shows with. When I do solo shows, okay. I always start with what I'm grateful for. So I'm going to ask you, what are you grateful for today, Jackie? Hmm, I am grateful for just some incredible relationships that I'm meeting here in Phoenix. So I actually, I joined a networking group entrepreneurista, which is like a, a nationwide one. And somebody is actually- I follow local them here. actually. They're great. It's been a really good one. And there's someone local here and her and I got coffee and she was just so amazing and so willing to help. And so I'm just really grateful for all the new people I'm meeting. I love that. I'm grateful that Nick, my brother, your man, is driving mom out here and that they arrived tonight safely. Oh, they got here already. I had to go oh, pick they got, them up. They got there yeah. already? Yep. Oh my God. That's awesome. Okay. Super cool. Oh. Those are our gratitudes. So here's what I want to open with. I want you to share a really good, really relevant, cautionary tale to everyone listening right now that is a small business owner, a manager, a leader, a solopreneur that's about to make their first hire or two. I want to hook them right away with why what we're about to talk about today is really relevant. Would you share one? Sure. Gosh, which one should I select for the first round? I guess I'll do this one because it's something that I just wrapped up. It's something that I helped a client with this year. And she is a small, well, a fairly large business, but small headcount wise. And I think what's hard is that there's no like, if you were to Google, when should I worry about HR? It like doesn't really show up, right? It's like, Usually when you're about a million in revenue or like 10 headcount or 10 people headcounts, and that could be... Way too late by then, by the way. Well, it is. But that's when it really starts to matter. But usually people wait until they're doing like 10 million in revenue. And then they're like, oh, shit, I really got to take this seriously. And that's what happened with this particular client. So she finally started working with us to help with some recruiting and also just to do like an HR compliance audit. And after I was working with her, she's like, by the way, could you help me manage this lawsuit that I'm going through? I'm like, 
yeah, what is it? And I obviously am not going to share all of the details, but it was essentially a discrimination claim for somebody that she hired into her business. Actually, a few, it was two people suing her for a discrimination claim that they were fired because of their age. And it was very obvious that they were actually fired because of performance. But she never puts the right steps in place to be able to prove that she did what she said she did. And so this case, she'd been fighting it for eight months at that point. And she was just like sick of it. She's like, I don't have the energy for it. I don't want to deal. Can you just come in? And so I came in and I managed it with the lawyer. I'm not a lawyer, but I was like their counterpart with their legal team. And we wrapped it up. They ended up winning a claim of, it was like $150,000 is what they won. And she had to pay out to these two people making the claim. Even though she did not do it wrong, she didn't have the documentation and proof. So she had to pay out 150 freaking grand. And she had a really strong case. So they ended up settling because it was a strong case, but even settling was that much money. And it was a year and a half of her life having to worry about this because it takes time to go through litigation and to like gather all of the information. And like, you have to be the one to do that. You have to provide this stuff to people. And if things were organized and if it was like, if there had been, there was a lot of documentation of her telling other people their performance problems, but there was nothing about her telling them. Oof. And documentation is the key. And that's already something that if you guys are listening right now and you're not documenting when you have these little corrective conversations, it can really come back to bite you because you can be 100% in the correct but it doesn't matter because here's the first mic drop moment. What most people don't realize, and I learned this when I was working at HSBC, when somebody makes an HR claim against you or when somebody makes a, a wage and hour claim against you, you are guilty until proven innocent as the employer. The burden is on you mm-hmm. to kind of prove that, no, 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 that claim is not true. And you have to do it with documentation or you're going to end up settling at best. And also, let's pretend that they weren't doing this maliciously. Yep. Like somebody out there actually thinks you fired them because of that. Yeah. So is that really what how you want to be perceived? Now, are there people who do really bad things? Yes, of course, or, you know, are malicious. But had you had some good best practices in place to make sure that you were being clear with them and they knew they would have known for sure that they were having performance concerns and they would have known for sure that they were being let go because of that. And so I think that's something that is also very important because it's the perception and it's the perception of the people who are staying. So I don't know, I don't think this is true, but let's pretend that the people were good friends with other people who work there. And then they're like, hey, so-and-so, I got fired and it's because of this. And like, they never talked to me about this, right? Like the rumor mill will go. So people who get fired from your business will talk to other people. And like, you don't want people on your team thinking that you did that. No, it starts to sour the workplace vibe. So I've got another story too, because I really want people to understand why this is so important. What we're going to talk about a really, really, really popular personal brand, a woman that everyone loves and follows, who's a friend of ours. And I don't want to share who it is at all. Uh, And I don't even want to say the subject matter of her personal brand, because it'd be easy to figure out. And she was LA based. When she had her first one employee, so she's doing about $1.2 million a year, has her first one employee. It was a jack-of-all-trades type of assistant. Well, she let that employee go, same reason, 
for performance issues. I mean, the employee was blatantly not doing what they were supposed to do. They're blatantly missing things. They're blatantly showing up late and kind of not caring. But are you ready for this? That employee also happened to be a minority and made a discrimination claim. And it took her more than a year of fighting it. And she too had to settle for over six figures Mm -hmm. because she did not have the processes or the education or the documentation on how to handle that type of situation. And this was somebody who was absolutely and utterly negligent in their job. Mm -hmm. And they still were able to win in that situation against her. So whether you're a startup with 10 people or 20 people or 50 people, or whether you have one employee and it's a personal assistant, and especially depends where you live too, right? You have to understand these things earlier in the game than they seem important to you, would you say? Yeah, for sure. And the two things that we just described, those aren't even the most important things to get in place. I know, I know. Like those are just like best practices to do, which are important. So I don't want to like downgrade the importance of them. But there's so many other simple little things that business owners get wrong every single day that actually can end up costing way more. Yep, absolutely. So before we get into some of these examples of best practices, I want you to paint the picture as to why you're really, really, really qualified to do this. You know, and and I'll just start by saying, we refer you to all of our friends that own some of the coolest startups, like companies that people love, like One Hope and, and all the others. We refer you to them and they end up just singing you praises and you mm-hmm. clean everything up and you keep them out of trouble and you make things run smoother. So people have got to understand that you're kind of the startup whisperer is, is what, well, how I would call it. But why don't you paint your picture of where all this education and, and experience came from? Yeah, well, thank you for that. I don't know if I would say the startup whisperer or the crazy person who likes to go in and clean up a bunch of messes. But well, I got to pass this on. I had lunch with Bill Glazer, founder of Outstanding Foods. He was singing you praises when I had lunch with him two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So thank I'm you. telling you, like everyone we refer you to, they understand quickly the importance that you bring to the table. So paint that picture. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I think oftentimes when you think of HR, I'm going to go on a derail and then I'll answer the question as asked. But I think when you think of HR, you like, I think you have two camps. You're either somebody who's worked in corporate and like HR has been the no fun police. So like you think of Toby from the office or you've never worked in a business before. And so you think of Toby from the office, right? (laughs) And so I think what's really been very eye-opening to me is how quickly I will join a startup leading HR and like, it's kind of like an afterthought, like they're finally ready to do it. And I so quickly become a very important member of the leadership team, making a lot of important decisions and, and being a huge part of the business where like they can't fathom going back. And a lot of it's because you don't know what you're missing. So I'm really grateful for that. And, and I've definitely seen that happen. But a little background about me, I... Well, I started my career in HR doing recruiting, went back to school, got an MBA, which I don't know, just cost me a lot of money. I don't think it actually set me up for any success, but I have it. So I got to say, and then did my first stint in entrepreneurship and it was great. And I got the bug, but it wasn't paying the bills after moving to LA. So I started working at Lululemon and it got me really excited about HR again, because before I did my entrepreneurship stint. I had to lay people off for two years at a pretty big Fortune 500 company. So that wasn't very fun. And after about four years at Lululemon, I just couldn't do retail anymore. So I started working in startups and I've been working in tech startups in LA for 
it's been about eight years at this point, three as kind of the head of HR, and then five as the head of HR. And now the last three years as my own consultant working with a lot of brands, like you mentioned, I've seen everything, (laughs) the good, the bad, the ugly, and three, actually all three of the startups I worked full-time for were acquired in some capacity, which is pretty cool. And the last company I joined Really, I was able to partner so well with the two co-founders to create a great company that I worked myself out of a job and I was like, I want to do this for other people. And so that's kind of why I started my business. So are you allowed to name drop some of the cool companies that you've done consulting for since you went off on your own business? So Outstanding Foods has been a longtime client of mine. I've worked with One Hope. I've worked with Cali Water. I've worked with Aveline. Safe Lease is a tech company. I've worked with Super Connector Media, Brand Builders Group. Those are some of the, the different clients that I've worked with. Yeah, like Epic, Epic companies that everybody that listens to the show, they know and use and love and all that. So I want to talk about your journey from going from always working for some other founder to finally starting your own business. I know it has nothing to do with HR, but so many people that listen to this show, mm-hmm. they either just made that transition, which is why they're now, they're now listening, or they want to make that transition. Mm-hmm. What were the fears around it? What made you finally take that leap of faith? And what was it like? So the fears around it, it was the middle of the pandemic. It was 2020. And quite honestly, like HR was in its heyday. Like you couldn't hire recruiters fast enough. The talent market, it was so hard to hire people that I was like, I know I'll be able to go back and get a job. But it was more like I was living in LA. And so how am I going to immediately be able to pay my bills? How am I going to do this? So that was really the biggest fear, to be honest, was just like, how do I make immediate income? I had been an entrepreneur before, so I wasn't like risk. I mean, and I worked for startups where I got laid off all the time. So like... For me, I didn't find there to be any more security in working for somebody else, to be honest. So it wasn't really that. It was more just like, where am I going to find the people? And what was really cool, and I shared this on a, a different interview that I was asked this question is, I know I'm good at this. When I was an entrepreneur the first time, I was a personal trainer in Los Angeles. There was so much imposter syndrome creeping up on me. Like, I don't have that in this. Like, I know that I'm good at it. And so that was super refreshing. And so if you're listening to the show, like, if you're trying to figure out what it is that you want to do, I got this advice once. It was like, what can you charge the most money for and go do that? And that's what I did with this. And it was like, I'm not worried about if I'm good or not. Like, I just know I am. And then getting, (laughs) shifting away from the nine to five mentality, that definitely took work of like being tied at my desk. And some of that's because when I took on clients, I essentially just ended up with three bosses Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I still structured my work that way. And so that was really irritating. Instead of having one annoying founder, I had three. And so (laughs) I was like, how do I change this? And so it was just like ebbing and flowing. Because a lot of people when they consult or when they coach, they really just hire themselves bosses on accident. How, what did you do to change that? I never charge my work by the hour. I refuse to, because how do I charge when I'm thinking about your business out on a run? So good. Like, I'm not going to. Like, you're paying me for my knowledge. You're not paying me to pound keys on a computer. So I refuse to charge hourly rate. People ask me and I just won't do it. And that's a little scary to say no to business, but I won't do it. And I think, I don't know, I don't have a magic pill. It just took time to finally just figure out how to package my stuff in ways that wasn't trading hours for dollars. And that just took time and grinding it out. 
I've never heard somebody answer like, hey, the way I got rid of hiring myself bosses, aka clients, was by refusing to charge by the hour, right? Because when when people view it that way, there's that boss-employee relationship, even though that's not what it is. And there's that tracking, how much time did you spend on this instead of how much value did you give me? And that's how people get stuck. I love that. How did you acquire customers? And I think this is people's biggest like concern. You said that was your biggest fear. How did you end up with all these really cool customers? How did you drum up the business? How did you land them, et cetera? Well, a lot of it's from you. So thank you. And then, a lot of it is from your network, basically. Yeah, my network. And then just delivering. All of my clients were for me clients. So just doing good work. That's what I was looking for in terms of the answer. I think you are the queen of referrals. Like the number of people that I know that give you to their peer. And sometimes like we're up at the lake house, you're like, I can't take another job or I can't take another client mm-hmm. because everybody keeps referring you. And I think people miss out on the value of wowing your current clients does your marketing job for you then. Mm -hmm. Your marketing dollars are either going to be spent in the form of real dollars, Facebook ads, that kind of thing, or it's going to be spent in the form of time and energy doing a great job. And that's really what you've done with your marketing dollars, so to speak. Yeah, I would say that. I mean, it's all referral. Now I'm finally like doing real marketing because at some point you have to go do real marketing. But I mean, it's just doing a good job. I care. I think on it, quite honestly, it's because I care about doing a good job. Like, I know that sounds so simple, but like, I try and I care. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> and I'm willing to get creative to find solutions and I put myself in their shoes. I think also what's different about me is like, I've been in house building a company. Mm-hmm. So, like, I know when times are tough. I think I have empathy for that. And I, the way that I handle if a client can't pay me or if something happens, I like put myself, okay, if I was them working with somebody, what would I feel good about? Mm-hmm. Shameless plug too. When you said that you got your clients and referrals from your network, like that's why we created the dinner series that's coming up. Mm-hmm. This great networking. Our network becomes your network and you're going to be there. So like people that want to hire you, people that want to meet you, people that want to be able to ask you questions, they'll be able to do that if they're a part of the dinner mm-hmm. series. So shameless plug, go to chrishider.me for slash dinner and grab one of those last spots. No joke. I'm so pause. excited. Get so pause. excited to go get that. And go to chrisharder.me forward slash dinner. Okay, so let's start giving out some real advice. And here's what I want to, I want to popcorn back and forth. Some of the common mistakes that people do so that they can be like, oh, shoot, I do that. Oh, shoot, I do that. So I'm going to start. Here's my first one. I see people over title their employees way too often. For example, they'll hire their first or second person and they're like, oh, you're my chief operating officer. Oh, you're my president. Instead of giving them appropriate titles. Yeah, they just don't do the work to figure out how to level jobs or even know. And it happens all of the time that you give somebody, when you commit to a director or a VP or some sort of title, like you've committed to it. So what I tend to like to do and what I've done a lot in startups is give somebody a head of title or like a lead title, because then if you need to hire somebody new, like then you can go about re-leveling jobs. Jobs. Well, the danger is that what do you do when they're not performing and you need to hire them a manager? Mm-hmm. How, oh, I know that you're the director, but we actually need a real director. So you're going to be a manager. Like that's just a really weird conversation. And that person's going to quit. Like there's exactly. no way they take that well. Exactly. And you have to pay them more than you technically should be paying them when they realize what a director gets paid or a C-suite it gets paid or the benefits are supposed to come with it. And the right. worst thing is when people create job 
postings. And they're like, I need a director of or a, a COO. And they're really hiring their second or third person. And now yeah. they're giving the wrong respondents. Exactly. Exactly. What's one of your top things you see that mistakes that people unknowingly make? They think they can pay anybody a salary. Okay. Unpack this one. So you hire somebody and you're like, okay, I'm going to pay you a salary of $35,000. And you think that's what you do because that's what full-time people earn a salary. So that's what you do. That's inaccurate. (laughs) In order to qualify to be paid a salary, you don't get to just decide that actually. Like you as the business owner don't get to decide that. The government and the IRS decides that for you. And People don't realize this. Why is that? Because there's laws that are in place. Everybody actually in the US, and this was a, a lawyer friend of mine, everybody is an hourly employee eligible for overtime until proven otherwise. So you have to prove that they are a contractor. You have to prove that they are doing a job that qualifies them to not be eligible for overtime. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of, I mean, I have whole podcast episodes about that. So like to qualify somebody as an independent contractor, they have to basically have free reign to do whatever they want. They, all you have to do is give them a project. They can finish it however they want, buy a deadline and earn money for it. Well, this is going to be my popcorn back to you because we're talking about two different things right now. The first thing is paying people a flat salary instead of giving them hourly plus overtime. You think, right. oh, I give you a salary. I can make you work as much as I want. I think that was the first one you were trying to articulate. Right, right, right. And the second one is what I was just going to popcorn back to you is the people who think they can make everyone contractors, meaning I don't have to pay you a W-2 wage. I don't have to worry about benefits or FICA or any of that. I'm just going to call you a contractor. And they have this whole roster full of, quote, contractors when really... Those people are usually, when you apply the test, they're usually employees. Mm-hmm. And people don't realize, if you actually call someone and pay them as a contractor, you can't tell them what time to be at a meeting. You can't mm-hmm. tell them what time to start for the day or end for the day. You can do nothing other than hold them to the end result of a project, and that's freaking it. And in the state of California, and a lot of other states are following suit, they cannot be performing work that your business earns the most revenue on. Oh, interesting. See, I didn't know that. It's like a personal trainer cannot be a contractor in California anymore because they are providing the work that the business makes money on. Their main product. Mm -hmm. Wow. See, these are things that like people are going to get tripped upon. And And then... And people might think it's not a big deal, Jackie, but guess what? When that person loves the first year working for you, everything's fine. But when they leave and someone whispers in your ear, hey, they should have paid you for all that overtime and things are romantic as they are. That's when it unravels. That's exactly what I was going to say. And I'm going to bring that up in one second when I finish this salary thing. So basically, there's two things. There's five different categories that that qualify your job to be qualified as unnecessary for overtime. The most common that people are categorized as an administrative exemption. You can look that up. I won't bother. But the majority of jobs don't qualify for that. So it's based on they have to meet that and you have to be able to meet certain pay requirements. So the federal government is you have to make like at least 35,000 per year to qualify to be paid as a salary. But each state is different. So like California now, you have to earn at least $65,000 per year to not be eligible for overtime. Yeah, and can can we clarify why? I know why, but it's because you have to be two times Mm -hmm. full time, you know, 40 hours times minimum wage. Correct. And people don't realize that. They're like, oh, I'm going to give you six grand to start. And mathematically, they're already out of compliance. Well, and a great example of this is a client of mine in California. I start working with her and I always do a a assessment 
and what we look at is the workers, what they're paid, all of this stuff. And through that assessment, I quickly found that she was paying everybody $35,000 salary for so long. And I was like, oh, fuck, I have to be the one to tell her this. Like, Mm -hmm. shit, okay. And so she was like, I told her, I was like, we have to transition everybody to hourly. Now, there is a way to pay someone a salary as well as overtime, which gets a little murky, but there's a way to do it. She's like, why didn't my accountants tell me this? I've been doing this for years. And I'm like, because your accountants are not trained in HR. Like, you wouldn't ask me for accounting advice. You shouldn't. I fucking almost failed accounting a million times. Don't ask me for accounting advice. You think your accountants are keeping you compliant. And so we had to go through and make all of those changes and communicate it in a very calculated way to them. Like we didn't want to be like, oh, we've been doing this illegal for the last three years. So now you have to be paid hourly. And everybody thinks being paid hourly is a demotion for some reason. We've made this thing. So like you got to carefully walk back that. She had a lot of turnover because of all of this. But the thing that I want to circle back to is There's no magic being that's like, Chris is out of compliance. He's getting fined. Like there's no, you're not going to get caught until somebody's pissed off about you firing them. And guess what? People are going to be pissed off about you firing them. Like, even if you're the best boss ever, someone's going to be pissed when you let them go. And they're going to tell their friends, they're going to look up some law and they're going to go find a lawyer and they're going to come back and they're going to sue you. And you're going to get hit with a lot of wage and hour fees and fines. And you don't know that until three years down the road when it happens. Yep. Yep. I got a couple more to popcorn back and forth. I see so many people coming in the mastermind. That means they're already making over a million dollars a year. Most of them making three, four, five, six, seven, eight million, right? And they won't have employee contracts and they don't have regular employee reviews, written reviews. They just hire a friend or a referral and everything's great on a handshake or maybe there's some half-assed loose job description, Mm -hmm. but they actually don't have an operating contract with that employee and they're not doing documented reviews at all. Mm-hmm. Explain to us how that can come back to bite you. Well, so many things, but there's no like clear expectation set. You want to be very clear and upfront so that if anything goes weird, you have that to fall back on. There's no rule that you have to have offer letters or contracts. Like you don't actually legally need to, but having it in writing what you both have agreed to is just good business. You would for any other type of thing. So you should do it for offer letters. And, you know, having NDAs or proprietary confidentiality agreements is all so important to protect your business because you don't know. They may be your best friend. They may be your family. We've all heard horror stories about families doing shady stuff to each other, right? And then not having documented performance reviews. It's just about setting clarity. Like when you set clarity, you're able to have the hard conversations and make them objective and not opinions. Like Mm -hmm. if you hire your friend and all of a sudden you're like, oh God, now I have to like randomly tell them their performance is not good. But if you know that you're going to do it every quarter, it just like kind of makes it less awkward, right? It makes it objective. I actually have some interesting stats about this too. So there's Gallup did a study and it said that companies that implement regular employee feedback So this is like feedback giving to them, right? Like performance feedback. 
have a 14.9% lower turnover rate, which is so much. Like, Mm. that's huge. And regular one-on-one meetings, because that's my popcorn back to you, is like nobody ever has regular meetings with their team members. Wow. Like, they just don't do one-on-ones. Yeah. And they don't get feedback until someone's in trouble. Yeah, Every exactly. time you have feedback, people think they're screwing up. And they right. take it and it ruins a productive environment. And your employee doesn't want to like, if they know they're meeting with you every week, every two weeks, and there's questions that, nothing's more annoying than an employee asking you questions all day long via text or Slack. Yeah. And it's because they don't know when they're going to be able to meet with you. But if you have a meeting with them every week, they know like, oh, I'll add this to a list. And then I'll just yeah, talk save to them it about it. Instead of bugging you all the exactly. time. Exactly. Exactly. Do you have any more hidden mistakes that we should know? Or should we start moving on to like checklists and things people can do to stay out of trouble? Well, I think these are like more mistakes of why you avoid doing this stuff versus like the actual tactical mistakes. So you think that you can wait till you're bigger. You can, Mm -hmm. like, you think you have time. And then unfortunately, bigger is not some revenue milestone. It's a lawsuit. It's some sort of fine. And like, all of a sudden, bigger comes and slaps you in the face. Or you think it's just paperwork that anyone can do. What I see most, because I work with a lot of startups, is they give it to the EA. Those poor EAs. They don't know. So like, they're doing it and then they're not doing it right. And, you know, they're doing the best they can. And so, and you just think it's all paperwork that anyone can do. And so I think those are important things just to note as to like the mistakes I see people make and how they end up making the mistakes, I guess. We're in a really interesting time right now. This is a direction I want to take this. We're in a really interesting time where people's desire to have a job has changed. The way people want to be employed, you know, do they work from home? Do they work in the office has changed. And like, finding good people has changed. You're the expert at finding the right fits for everybody. What are some things we can do when we know we need to make a hire? Where do we find them? What are best practices? Like, give us the inside stuff that you do to help find the right people. Well, first, it comes down to knowing exactly what it is that you want to hire. Simply just saying, I need help, I'm going to hire an assistant is I actually think hiring an assistant for the your first hire is actually usually the wrong advice. But I think getting very clear on what it is that you need help with and what it is that you want them to do in the first year of being with you, and then clearly being able to articulate what skills and expertise does this person have to have in order to execute on these things. Mm-hmm. That is not fun stuff. When you're to the point where you need a hire, you don't want to sit down and do that. But you're either going to spend the time hiring somebody five times or spend the few hours getting clear on that before you start hiring. And so that is hands down. If you do anything, do that. Where's the best Um, place to find people right now? The best place to find people is to go look for them and reach out to them directly on LinkedIn. Like no, sure make, this, because most people think they post to Indeed or something, and and then they're like, why why aren't they finding good people? In, Unpack this for them. Yeah, Indeed is a bad spot to post. ZipRecruiter, terrible. Well, it depends. It depends what you're recruiting for. If you're looking for hourly staff to like do shift work, ZipRecruiter and Indeed can be great. LinkedIn really is the best place for a lot of knowledge based workers. So, how and does so, that work? Google positions, and you send messages. So. 
you can post a job on LinkedIn. So one, if your company doesn't have a company page on LinkedIn, you need to get that made. Like that is definitely needed. And then you can post a job and pay to post it just like you would on Indeed, but on LinkedIn. So that is a great spot. And then you can get what we do, what people pay us a lot of money to do. I'll just tell you exactly what it is, is we literally make a list of all the companies you'd love us to poach from, all of the industries that you would like. And then we also make a list of what are the potential job titles people might have that would have skills for this. So like if I'm hiring a sales person, account executive, account manager, sales executive, right? Like different titles. And then you can pay for a premium LinkedIn membership. So I use Recruiter. I think there's also Sales Navigator or something. Both of them kind of work similar. And you can actually just like search for people who have ever worked at these companies. Like when I recruit for Outstanding Foods, I have a list of 75 food and beverage brands that I'm poaching people from. That is the best place to find talent if you're looking for very specialized roles. But even posting administrative assistant jobs on LinkedIn is far better quality than on Indeed. Is there truth to the old adage that you want to find someone who's already employed, not interview the people who are looking for a job? No. No? Not in today's world of layoffs. That's, like, that's what, everything's changed so much. Like I used to hear that all the time. Like the no. best candidates are the ones not looking for a job. I mean... I was going to say, I think there's truth to that, but I, I don't, I can't even, <laughs> I can't even agree with it. That's not true. <laughs> so, okay. Before we get into like what you do specifically for people, mm-hmm. you've created kind of a checklist and a stay out of trouble tool. Can you share that? Yeah. So kind of like what I just described earlier that I did with my client to find out that she was classifying people wrong. We finally put it into a, like, put it down on paper, available to make it easy for people to do it themselves. So it's a a risk assessment, an HR risk assessment. And there's homework that you have to do as a business owner because you have to gather this information for us. And so there's about two hours worth of homework. I know, I'm sorry, but it's true. And then you meet with me or my business partner, who's also an HR executive for an hour to review and we'll go through what are the state requirements that you have to have for where you have teams? What are the mistakes you're making? Game plan, how to fix them. And then we also go through, so that's all the compliance stuff because that's the must-haves first. And then we unpack, okay, what best practices do you have in place? And what are the best ones for you to implement in the next 18 months. And so those are things like a handbook, performance reviews, a hiring plan, those types of things. But until you get the compliance stuff right, the best practices should come after that, right? Making sure you're paying people right and tracking their hours right is more important than some of these other things. And here's the best part. What does it cost to do this and spend an hour with you guys then advising on it? Yeah. So it's $349. You can find it over at peopleprinciples.co forward slash risk. And I'm giving listeners $50 off just for listening to the show. And so they can use coupon code Chris50. All right. So what's the net to them? You're going to make me do math. $299. Did I get that right? Hire her for HR, not for math. Okay, so for $299, you can have an entire audit of everything that you might be doing wrong or confirmation that you're doing it right, right? Because right. that's not as important thing. For a measly $299 with somebody mm-hmm. who gets paid a kajillion dollars right. to do this. 
That yes. is an awesome offer. So where do they find you. it? Say it one more time. Peopleprinciples.co. Peopleprinciples.co forward slash risk. Yes. Peopleprinciples.co forward slash risk. And they have to use Chris 50 in yep. order to get the discount. Okay. Even if they don't get the discount. $349 freaking steal to I not mean, cost you a six-figure lawsuit like the examples we, we yeah. talked about in the beginning. I charged a lot of money for handling that case. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay, so what should people take the next step? It's one thing to do the audit with you, but why would someone hire you? Who are the kind of people that hire you? If you have a team, at least five employees, you're going to have stuff that comes up. Like stuff's going to come up throughout the year and you're like, oh, I don't know how to handle this. Oh, my employee is pregnant and she needs to take leave. You know, I'm working through a cl- this with the client now of she lives in a state that needs to do parental leave and they don't know how to handle it. So questions come up, like questions are going to come up when you have workers. And so if you have at least five people, you should just expect that shit's going to get messy from time to time. And having a lifeline and somebody that you can literally call is life-changing. And so we have a service for HR for small businesses specifically. And it gives them unlimited access to us via email and Slack. We have this amazing resource library set up of all of the offer letter templates you need, all of the contracts you need, how-to guides, like everything that you might need, we have available to you self-serve. And then you also get one 30-minute call with us a month to like work through all the tricky stuff that you have, all for $3,990 for the year. The whole freaking year. The whole year. $350 a month. They have live, in the moment, HR on demand. And I was just on a call with somebody about this and her frustration because she has some, you know, you'll sign up for an HR platform and they'll sell you on getting HR advice, but they don't answer your questions. They tell you that they can't help you. Like they give you cookie cutter advice and they don't respond for four days. We guarantee response times within two hours during our business hours because when you have an employee issue, like you need help now. You can't wait even till tomorrow sometimes. And so we have office hours between nine to five central time, Monday through Thursday, and we guarantee response rates within two hours. This is an absolute freaking no-brainer. If you have five employees or more, you have to check that out at a minimum. I don't care if you have one employee or 10 employees, go get the checklist at peopleprinciples.co forward slash risk. Use Chris 50 to get another 50 bucks off, $299. Like guys, listen, if you do this and you spend $299, if you don't like the service you got, I'll pay your freaking $299. Like that's how important this is to keep your asses out of trouble. Mm -hmm. People, so, you know, the old adage, you don't know what you don't know. And that's what will always haunt you. That is the most true thing on the planet. You don't know what you don't know. So you don't know you're in violation until it's going to cost you a six-figure paycheck. Yeah. And that's what I've been finding so much and how you you mentioned that I've created a, a good brand is what I've realized is like people don't actually know that they're, they don't, like I'm just trying to explain like, this is what I helped somebody with today or this is what happens. And you don't know what you don't know. And you don't want to find out because you get a paper in the mail or something like that. The dreaded envelope. The amount of just photos of state notices that I get sent to me from panicked clients. And I'm like, they're just notifying you of this rate increase. Like, why couldn't you just open that up yourself? Like, it's not a big deal, but they panic. <laughs> but it's the unknown because it's not our area of expertise. Mm-hmm. And so you, if anything, you act as the translator. Right. 
to those types of issues that we're just unfamiliar with. You know, we know how to sell. We know how to motivate. We know how to do this or do that or create the widget or whatever it is. But most yep. people, they don't even understand what, you know, why is the state of Wisconsin sending me a uh, worker's comp letter? What does this mean? Am I in violation? Am I doing it right? Yep. You know, and it's just their annual statement, things like and that. It's, it's simple stuff. That's the other thing that I would love to just leave listeners with is like, we've shared horror stories with you, but like, it's actually really easy if you have the, somebody who knows the answers to do this right. Like, it's not that hard if you know what you're doing and you have the right people to ask the questions to. I couldn't agree more. Okay, guys. So do this. Go over to peopleprinciples.co.co forward slash risk and grab the audit at $299. Use Chris50 when you check out to get for $299. If you don't like it, if you do it, you go all the way through it and you don't like it, DM me and I will reimburse your ass at $299. That's how serious I am about keeping you guys out of trouble. Jackie, mm-hmm. thanks for jumping on and sharing everything. And where can they find you if they want to like DM you, stalk you, all the things? Best place actually that I'm showing up is LinkedIn. So highly recommend connecting with me on LinkedIn, Jackie. HR of you. I know, right? where my biggest following is. I'm an OG user, power user. And then also Instagram, People Principles is our, our handle at yeah, on Instagram. So you, you've got the best title to a podcast ever. Oh, my podcast. I can't believe I didn't even mention that. My podcast is so good. It's called Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now. And it's advice on how to succeed when you're in charge. And it is really fun. We're going to start to have three episodes a week. One is going to be behind the scenes with me and Molly about shit we helped people within that week and just talking about why it's important. And everything that we covered on the show, I have podcast episodes specifically about. So if you're like, ooh, I want to learn more about that, you can find a bunch of episodes there. Love it. All right, guys, all these links are in the show notes. Thanks for listening. We totally appreciate you, Jackie. Thanks for always being on and being just such a great resource for Lori and I, for our friends, and now for everyone who listens as well. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.